freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 340 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is freedom isn't free. Absolutely. The buckle five. <laughs> At least a buckle five. <laughs> Our guest today is Eli Crane. Eli is a Navy SEAL veteran, the CEO of Bottle Breacher, a brand ambassador for Sig Sauer, and is running for elected office for uh, as the Congressional U.S. House of Representative in Arizona District 1 to unseat Democrat Representative Tom O'Halloran. It has a five-year, uh, five wartime deployments three of them in the Middle East with SEAL Team 3 and served our country for over 13 years. Eli is a husband, a father, a veteran, an entrepreneur, and a man of faith. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Eli. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for your service yeah. to our nation. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And you have served our nation in the armed forces. You've started your own business and we are small business owners ourselves. And we understand that small business is the backbone of this nation. Uh, and now you are seeking elected office here in Arizona uh, with a run for Congress in Arizona District 1. Uh, what drives you to make this particular leap into the political arena, which is a bit of a snake pit and seems like it is becoming ever more so. Well, I think the title of your show says it all. Mm. Freedom isn't free. Mm. Um, my parents taught me that from the time I was uh, knee high, mm. um, both, you know, and, and my brothers as well. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that like Ronald Reagan himself said that freedom is always one generation away from extinction. You know, I've noticed that one of the byproducts of so much freedom and so much opportunity is complacency. Mm. And we've become so complacent. Um, you know, we take it for granted. We don't think it, anything could ever happen to it because it's just the way of life here. It's just how things are always going to be. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, is that the United States of America is a very unique and special place because of the framework and the ingredients that went into it. And the United States of America, to make an example, is much like a cake or anything else that you make. And if you start messing around too much with the ingredients, mm -hmm. um, if you start, you know, throwing stuff into that recipe that, you know, weren't there to begin with, you're going to get a different outcome. And that's what we're seeing right now. Our founders did not want large government. They knew they came from that. 
They knew how corruptible it became. They wanted it to be small government and they wanted the power to rest with we the people. You wouldn't know that if you turned on, you know, your news, especially in 2021, where we watch, you know, all these COVID restrictions and I, what I would call medical tyranny going on. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that power either, you know, it's, that's what this really boils down to. It boils down to one word and that's power. Who has it? Is it still we the people or, or is it the government? And so you take a guy like me, I'm, you know, in the SEAL ethos, it says a common man with an uncommon desire to succeed. I am, I am as common as they come. You know, when I grew up, I, some doctors said I had asthma. Some said I had exercise induced bronchitis. I'm no, I'm no superhero. Um, you know, I, I'm a sinner. I, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've got more, way more failure in my life than I've got success. But I'll tell you this, I love this country. I love my family. I'm very concerned about the future that my kids are going to grow up in. And, you know, it's like for those of us that have gotten to live a good life, and I feel so blessed to have gotten to live the life that I have lived, um, you know, heartache and all, adversity and all. And I want to make sure that I do everything I can to make sure that the next generation and my kids get to experience some of the freedoms and opportunities that we grew up with. And if it falls on our watch, if it falls on our watch, to me, that's unsat. And that's on us. It's not on anybody else. It's because we've got complacent. We can blame the government all we want, but we know governments always become corrupt. But the, big, the biggest thing is, is that we, the people, have tuned out. We've become complacent. We're not engaged. And we say, ah, to hell with it. I don't need to participate. It's all corrupt anyway. Well, you do that, you magnify it millions and millions and millions of times over this country and millions of households. And sooner or later, you get what we have now. Mm -hmm. And I have lost too many friends overseas fighting for not only our freedom, but for the freedom of foreigners, um, you know, that don't look like us, don't speak the same language. And many of them don't pray to the same God that we do. But I'll tell you this right now, freedom is a great thing. It has to be fought for because of the evil of mankind. And, and that's why I'm doing this. It's not because I'm, I think I'm so phenomenal and I'm such a great human being. As a matter of fact, I wish it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I wish, you know, and I know that there are phenomenal candidate, candidates out there. There are phenomenal leaders out there. But I see most of them, they're scared. They're scared of cancel culture. Mm -hmm. They're scared because they don't want their entire reputation drugged through the mud. They don't want to be called racists or thisophobe, xenophobe, homophobe, thatophobe, thisophobe. And it's just like, and that's what they know that is going to happen to them in the headlines if they enter into this snake pit. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. And so for a guy like me that's lived a good life, if God took me tomorrow, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, fine go I'm fine going. I've lived a great life. But I look at it and I say, hey, I'll sacrifice again. I'll throw myself on that again one more time. Because if not enough of us step up and fight, we are going to lose it. That is just a fact. You see it every day. And that is why I'm running. We are losing it already. We are, you know, I don't understand it. all these millions of people that are trying to get to the United States. Then when they get here, the government is, is convincing them not to work, not to, to do, you know, let the government take care of us. And they came here 
to get away from that, but they don't even know it. That it that they're doing it here. They're 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 teaching the people to just let the government handle all their problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I said complacency is a byproduct of freedom and opportunity and prosperity, but so is ignorance. When mm-hmm. when you're this comfortable, when you have this much opportunity, you don't. The, the, one of the byproducts is you don't really have to you don't have to tune in. You you don't have to really engage. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, though, if you live under tyranny where your life is constantly threatened and you can't say what you want to say and you can't pray how you want to pray, those people tune a lot. They tune in all the time. They, they, their life depends on whether they know what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. at the local level and at the mm-hmm. federal level. And, and that's one of the things that um, we've lost here. And so for a guy like me, I say, okay, I can, keep, I can keep complaining about it or I can try and do something about it. And that's, that's why I'm running. Awesome. I really um, admire and appreciate that because uh, I say all the time, whatever we do or don't do in our lifetime, it will have reverberating impact and effects on the next generations. And every day you wake up and you look in the eyes of your, I believe you have two daughters, is it? Yep, that's correct. And, you know, I, I have one daughter, we have two granddaughters. We look at those youngsters and we realize the impact of our responsibility. And um, I I woke up a little late in life to all of that. I admire how young you are taking, uh, taking it so seriously and stepping forward and stepping up and doing something, right? Maybe you can't do everything. And that's something else that I think stops people is they feel like the problems are too big. They're too vast. They're too beyond uh, what one person can do. But if everybody will do whatever it is they can do, like you're setting an example, we can really set that needle back towards freedom and liberty, uh, where our founders, founding fathers and mothers uh, fought, bled, starved and died to place that needle there. So, so thank you for that. And um, just for a minute, I want to talk about uh, your business, because your business seems like a little bit of a, a blend of uh, the world you were in, in service, uh, and, and the, the entrepreneur, the small business world. Uh, so talk to us about uh, what it is you do. And the, the name of your business bottle breacher kind of sets the stage for that. Yeah, so the business, as you mentioned, is called bottle breacher. And basically, what we make is we make badass gifts, primarily for men, but uh, most of them can be personalized. We have a bunch of laser engravers and, um, you know, uh, right now is our busiest season of the year. Um, you know, we do a bunch of our business at this time of year. We, we found that men can be really tough to shop for. I like to tell people all the time that, you know, men, we don't really grow up. We just get bigger toys. And I think that a lot of people understand that. And I noticed that, um, I didn't create that. I didn't come up with the idea to make a 50 cal bottle opener. Um, I was at SEAL Team 3 and uh, my little brother, who was a Cobra pilot in the Marine Corps, went on a deployment to the Philippines and he brought home a really generic 50 caliber bottle opener and uh, he gave it to me as a gift. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was the coolest gift I'd ever received. It probably cost him $10. Um, and then, you know, we just took that idea because nobody that we knew of was making them in the States. And so we took that idea and we ran with it and we kind of blew it up. But 
it really, it's really simplistic. The fact of the matter is, is that a 50 cal, you know, makes uh, the perfect size bottle opener. Most people have never even held one in their hand, let alone shot one. And if I can give you one that, you know, is chrome plated, it looks beautiful. It's got the, your company logo on the front, your name on the back, and it can open your favorite beer. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer. And so that's why we've sold over, you know, I think $21 million worth of these products. The 50 cal has always been the workhorse, but we have several other products. And it was important for me, you know, going back to the mission aspect of things, if this was just a business for, you know, profit loss, you know, there's no way I could be running it to this day because I'm the type of guy that I have to incorporate mission into what I do Mm -hmm. or I, Mm -hmm. or I check out. And, uh, you know, we, we've been able to, uh, Matter of fact, you know, just over in the other room next to me, you know, we got three, you know, veterans, you know, working, you know, on our products. And uh, we've been able to support a lot of veteran nonprofits. Matter of fact, there were about 60 World War II veterans that went to Hawaii to be honored in a ceremony out there. And we made them all special, um, you know, commemorative bottle breachers, you know, and we donated those to them. And that, you know, that that's the type of thing that happens here every week, just because, I looked around and I said, Hey, if, if, if I'm going to do this, we have to, we have to continue this continue service. You know, mm-hmm. I just got to find a new way to do it. And though it's not the same as strapping on, you know, equipment and going out and fighting overseas, you know um, it makes, you know, it, it makes all the difference in the world when you're helping to illuminate causes, charities, et cetera, that are still helping our veterans uh, today. And so that's been a real cool part of this business on top of making stuff in the USA. I can't yes. tell you how important that is to me, guys. Um, that's one of the biggest um, issues I think we have in this country. When you look at how much manufacturing has gone overseas, mm-hmm. when you look at, even during COVID, we, we've been so foolish with our manufacturing that we, we struggled to get saline bags for you know, you know, very crucial hospital um, you know, uh, consumables to keep people, our own citizens alive, because we've been so foolish with what we, what manufacturing we've allowed to go overseas. Like right now, China's looking at Taiwan and, you know, most people are, you know, betting that they're going to make a move on Taiwan, you know, within the, you know, the near future, what does Taiwan have? They have a lot of the, you know, microchips that we use in our refrigerators, our cars, everything. And so it's like, um, manufacturing here is very important, not only um, for national security reasons, but also um, to provide jobs for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody wants, not everybody, you know, was meant to go be a doctor or a lawyer or a mm-hmm. paralegal or a nurse. There's a lot of people that, you know, are good with their hands and they want to work with their hands and manufacture stuff here. And so that was one of the reasons why we kept our manufacturing here. And it's one of the things that I'm the most proud of. That's fantastic. And do you happen to have one of your, your bottle breachers within, uh, within yeah, reach? I, do. I, have to one. Show I have one right here. Show, show uh, it to our audience. So it's a 50 cal bottle opener. Um, it's got a logo of a company, uh, that I, you know, that are really close friends of mine and, uh, you know, it opens your Coke bottle, your beer, whatever, you know, whatever you like. And like I said, they're personalizable. That is very cool. And you guys were on Shark Tank, which is a TV show where you present your idea and there's, what is it, a panel of four different uh, investors who may or may not 
catch on to the idea of your business and invest in it. Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so that was a great experience. Um, you know, it's really hard to even get on that show, but we had such a unique product. And more importantly, we had, you know, very solid sales before while we were pitching to go on that show. Um, and it's obviously a TV show, so they love the backstory. They love the fact that we were a mom and pop garage born business. And that, you know, it, it, it took the culture from the, you know, the job that I used to have in the SEAL teams. And then it, you know, uh, we, we, we implemented that and embedded that in the business. And so um, we went on that show in 2014. Um, we actually, Jen and I were on set in Sony Picture Studios while I was on terminal leaving the Navy. So I was still technically in the Navy, but I wasn't reporting to work anymore because I had so many, so much of my vacation and sick and leave time uh, saved up. And so, you know, that was just interesting. I feel like it was such a blessing. Um, you know, God really took care of us, uh, it, just the timing wise and that, uh, you know, our I got out my last day in the Navy was in October of 2014 and our episode of Shark Tank aired in November. So we went from, you know, the active duty military to, you know, swimming in the deep end in entrepreneurial waters um, overnight. And uh, it was, it was a challenge, but it was a blessing. And, um, you know, what, you know, it just, it's reminiscent and reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's uh, James one, two, that says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds or it's a testing of your faith that breeds perseverance. Let perseverance continue so that you may become mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. And all of us want to become mature, complete, and lacking in nothing, but very few of us want to walk through the trials of many kinds that are necessary to get there. Mm -hmm. And even fewer of us want to see the joy in it. And so, um, it, you know, it, it, it was one of the most difficult things about that whole thing was learning to, you know, work with my wife. And I, I know you guys know all about that. <laughs> Any couple, that, any couple that's ever started a business together. I mean, it's hard enough just to, you know, have a successful relationship without bringing business into the mix. But when you bring mm -hmm. business into the mix and we all have our pride and we're trying to delegate and figure divvy up responsibilities, like you can, um, you can step on each other's feelings and emotions really easily. And so mm -hmm. Jen and I didn't even, you know, we didn't even live together that much when I, cause I was deployed all the time. We had two small kids younger than five and we, you know, we had, you know, this business that was just blowing up. And so it definitely was rough. Um, but we, we figured it out. Um, and it ended up being just a blessing and it really strengthened our marriage. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to, you know, do what we've done. It did for us too, Eli, but uh, how old are your daughters? Uh, they're 14 and 10. Okay, so wait until your daughter gets involved. Okay. <laughs> now, so every my daughter is 30. Two. She's in her 30s. 32. I don't want to say exactly. She's, um, her and Cheryl, they, uh, they know if one of them's with me and I say something, the other one can hear it. That's how close they are. Yep. And so my daughter is the manager of our auction house. Okay. And uh, that's when you know that you can, you can do, you can survive anything. If you can survive your wife and your daughter working with you, because um, I, we raised our daughter to be strong, strong minded. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's the kind of a double-edged sword. It, it can stab you every once in a while. I hear you. No, I hear you. It's funny. I'll, sometimes I'll be riding with the three of them in the car and it's like, 
if my tone's not even right, like the three of them will jump all over me. And I'm like, man, I can't win around here. So I didn't, I didn't even get upset, but you know, it's, it's just, I think it's, I think uh, one of my friends told me that um, God doesn't always give you what you want. Sometimes he gives you what you need. And I think right. that, uh, I think that I needed to be humbled and uh, I think that I needed to, you know, learn uh, with patience. And so, right. Mm. And if I had to do it all over again, I would do it all over again, but change my attitude. Mm. It would have made it a lot easier. If yeah. because you know, that's the thing. Uh, and you learn to become humble and 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 listen to the newer generation and the other other people, you know. And so so it was good. I'm glad we I'm glad I went through it. But it <laughs> was it, it was hard. Joy. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah. My wife and I've been married what 34 years. 35, 36, 37, 30, 36, 36 years. Who's counting? Yeah. And uh, we say, I'm counting. He, we clearly, been, he's not. But we yeah. say we've been married 72 years because you get double right. when you work together because you're there together all the time. I agree mm. with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. so true. You earn it. You really earn it. But but it is the most amazing that when it's good, it's so good. And it's bad. Whew, you got some work to do. But But that's amazing. And you know, as your family is serving in this capacity in your small business, because I love that you said that you consider your business an extension of service. We're yeah. the same way. If it's just about money in, money out, eh, I'm bored immediately. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, you're serving together that way. And when somebody serves in the armed forces, even though you are the one deployed, your whole family really is in service because you're all impacted in various ways by that. And the, the same will be true if you are elected to the, a political office. Uh, and when he's elected or if? Well, <laughs> yes. I when, we were positive. When you are elected. Right. Um, yes. So how much of an impact would you say that the the experiences you've had through being a military member through small business how much is that in going to impact your approach uh to how you're running for office and and serving in that office when you are successfully elected i think we just saw the optimist and the pessimist <laughs> you know, the two of you guys but hey i think we could actually say not not the not the pessimist, but the realist, because that is the reality <laughs> of the situation. This is one time where, you know, I can't just, you know, volunteer, show up and go, go serve. You know, I have to be mm -hmm. sent. And uh, I'll tell you guys, you know, um, you know, that's not lost on me. And uh, there, there, there's a part of me, there's, there's a big part of me that I think will, you know, sigh a big sigh of relief if, you know, if, if, if I'm not chosen, because I never wanted mm -hmm. to do this. But I think it is mandatory. I think it's necessary um, now more than ever. Um, and I'm going to take, you know, people ask me all the time. Okay. So Eli, what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you get there? Like, tell us, tell us your plan. And, you know, I think that um, like the great Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And uh, you know, I remember going, going to Iraq my first time I went there three times, but my first time, and it's a lot to me, like starting a business. If you go into business or you go into war and you've got this meticulous plan, you know, that you've got in your head, the moment you get on the street, 50 things are going to go wrong. You know, this wasn't this, 
you know, this part of your plan isn't, you know, isn't working out or the resources weren't there for it, whatever it is. And I'm not saying it's not good to have a plan. What I'm saying is it's better to be humble, to have your head on a swivel, to have your eyes open, to keep your mouth shut and to learn from people that have been there before. Like in, 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 a, in the SEAL teams, for instance, when we'd show up overseas somewhere, we would usually be replacing another SEAL unit that was already there. And so we would do turnover ops with those other SEAL units who could tell us, hey, this area, be very careful in this area. You know, make sure you're watching for IEDs on these roads. These are the people you can trust. These are the people that you got to watch very closely. And it's just like you've got to you've got to learn because those are the things that you don't you don't know because you're not in that environment. And so if I get the opportunity to go serve in Congress, I'm going to attack it just like I did business and just like I did you know, um, going into war my first time. Sure, I'm going to have a plan of things I want to do, but um, my biggest plan is to be flexible mm-hmm. to keep, and keep my eyes open, to keep my ears open, um, to keep my mouth shut as much as I possibly can as I learn the ropes, as I learn the new battlefield, learn who's who, mm-hmm. um, what we can possibly get done, what's, what's probably not going to happen. And that's the type of mentality that I'm going to take into this new war zone. Well, Eli, I look at it this, it's not a plan, it's a direction. Mm. You know, you are, you're, you're guided by freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what's right, and God, so you have a direction, okay? Yeah. So, you know, yes, you have to listen to the people that's been in the, in the battlefield. But if you have your direction, you don't change that direction. Your plan is, is, it's going to, We'll come change together. You know, it's, yeah. it will all come together so yeah no i agree and i it's i, I apologize guys i feel feel bad because i feel like you know i i make the assumption sometimes that people know me and i know i realize you guys don't know me but that's kind of uh you know that's kind of my mo um if you talk to people that know me that's that's what they're going to tell you about eli crane hey they're going to tell you hey don't uh don't ask him to try and come fix your television or anything technology, you know, technology. <laughs> He's not going to be able to help you fix your car. But if, if you need somebody to stand on principle, mm. he's your guy. And so I apologize, you know, when um, we're discussing these things, you guys don't know who I am, really. You don't know what my character is or what my history is like. And, you know, um, for instance, when I joined the Navy, I dropped out of college my senior year, about 20. I was 20 miles down the road at the University of Arizona. Um, and I dropped out of school so that I could go serve. And I know I wasn't the only one. I know many Americans did that type of thing and made that type of sacrifice, but you know, that wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how brutal that, that war was going to be. I wasn't studying the Taliban. You know, I wasn't really studying the Middle East at that time. I didn't know, you know, what my chances of coming back were going to be, but I knew that I, I knew that there, the United States of America needed the next generation to step up. Um, and to go serve and to be willing to, you know, sacrifice their own life for the greater good and for those that can't fight for themselves. And so um, you're, you're right, sir. Direction is big time important. And mm. um, I like to look at candidates and I, I like to tell even voters and people, hey, politicians, they can and they will tell you what whatever they think you want to hear. Mm-hmm, what you right. really need to look for is you need to look for candidates that have a lineage and a history of doing the right thing, and here's the key, when they knew it was going to cost them. Right. When they knew it was going to cost them, because I'll tell you this right now, I have no, um, my expectation management, I think, is right on. 
I know that they're, the, I know that disruptors aren't going to be welcome on Capitol Hill. I've already seen it here at the local level. Oftentimes, the establishment, you know, is more interested in protecting the establishment than than they are in doing what what the people want them to do. And so, if you if you come in as a disruptor. I've already gotten the phone calls and the emails being told, hey, Eli, we're really not interested, man. Why don't mm. you run for school board or something? We've already got our candidate. Mm. And, and that just goes to show you, like, I'm already experiencing it at this level here locally in Arizona. So I know that when I get up, you know, if I get to Washington, it's going to be that times 10. And so that's what I ask people to look for. That's what I look for as a voter myself is, hey, which one of these individuals, because they all sound good. If you mm-hmm. get to a certain level, Everybody sounds good. Show me a history. Show me a lineage of times where you did the right thing, knowing that it might cost you. If you can convince me that you have that history because we get good at anything we practice, you might get my vote. But that's who's going to get my vote. Not the person that sounds the best. You know, it's the person that does the right thing, knowing it's going to cost them. That's so well said. And a lot of them are going, I'm going to run for office, see what I can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at some of these these politicians that had nothing before they became politicians, and now they're millionaires. And uh, yeah, how's that happen? Yeah, we're in the wrong business. We need to be in the politics I, business, I guess, if we want to be. I have wealthy and soulless. I have one know? other thing on the direction mm-hmm. thing. Uh, the reason why I say direction versus a plan is because God has a funny way of changing our plans. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a true heart with the right direction. He'll, he'll get you through for sure. Right? Well, tell me about it guys at, at the, I'm, you guys mentioned I'm a brand ambassador for Sig Sauer, which mm-hmm. has been one of the coolest jobs I've ever got to do earlier this year. I was doing, they, they Sig just launched a new uh, hunting line of, you know, optics and, and firearms, et cetera. And uh, I was doing some of their, you know, I was attending some of their hunting training for their, they have a, a, a hunting staff now. And uh, we were doing that up in Montana and Wyoming, and it was beautiful and it was gorgeous. And I like hunting. I never got to do a lot of it growing up, but I thought this was finally going to be my year where, you know, I was going to go do some hunting with some of these guys. And uh, and I actually got back from a SIG hunting uh, training that they were doing, and I had an email on my phone, and it was from, you know, some some folks that uh, work in the political world. Um you know, at some very high levels who actually asked me if I would consider running for Congress. And it, it, that, that came because I, they, somebody had asked me last year to uh, make a commercial for then Senator Martha McSally. It was a, a, a kind of a anti-Mark Kelly um, commercial. And so I did some research and I said, yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd like to weigh in on that. And um, we shot it here at my business. And a lot of business owners won't touch politics with a 10 foot pole, as you guys know, because Mm -hmm. they they don't want to alienate half of the, their customer potential customer base. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I, I like to put mission above profits and I've always done that with my business. And, uh, you know, so I didn't go into this year thinking that, um, I was actually just so you guys know, most, most people don't know this about me, but. Um, I, I actually went into this year um, putting in my resume with uh, some ministries that that I was uh, that I was looking at because I thought that's where God was going to lead me, or that's I thought that's where He was calling us. And so I 
didn't didn't start this off year off thinking that I was going to be running for <laughs> office. But to your point, sir, um, sometimes God does have different plans, and I, you know, I'm I'm okay with saying and understanding that I know that God's plan for me might not even be that I get a congressional seat. It might have been just, hey, son, go this way. I want you to I want you to go down this path. I want to see you. I want your obedience. I want your trust. I want you to step outside of your comfort zone, get outside the boat. And because I've got somebody I want you to meet, I don't know what God's plan is here with all of this, but I'm just trying to be obedient. And like the Lord told Joshua, I'm trying to be strong and courageous, strong and courageous, strong and courageous. And Mm. that's where we're at. That's awesome. So I was at an event in Virginia a few months back, and one of the speakers there was Ryan Zinke, who is also a former SEAL uh, team member. And he, he brought you up to me and he said, you know, Eli would be an awesome candidate, an awesome congressperson. And then he told me about, and I I pulled up online while you're chatting here, that there are uh, five former uh, SEAL team members that are running for different offices around the nation. So he brought that up to me and he said, can you imagine the waves that people who are service-minded and mission-oriented and constitutionally based can make in a positive direction if we all are successful in our candidacies. And that was the thing that, that really pushed me to say, I have to have Eli on to talk about uh, what's going on here in Arizona and what is his idea about running and that sort of thing. But I mean, Ryan Zinke, he was, um, he's already served in, in several capacities, but he was, gosh, Secretary of Interior. Interior. Thank you. The word forestry was the only thing I could think of. Um, Secretary of Interior uh, and just a solid dude. Yeah. You know, and this is what I like to tell people. I like to, you know, remind people, I didn't even know this myself until I started along this path, but, you know, right after World War II, 50% of Congress was made up by veterans. And I think that that was a much better time. And this is what I like to tell people. Just because you are a veteran doesn't mean you're not going to sell it out, okay? Because veterans are like everybody else. We're, you know, we're, we're corruptible, you know, we're, we're sinners just like everybody else. But here's the thing. This is what I like to point to. If at one point in your life you were willing to die for it, okay, at one point in life you were willing to die for it, it makes it harder to sell it out. And that's one of the reasons that, that's one of the reasons I like to see this trend. I want to see us get back to our time. We just had, you know, a couple wars spanning the course of, you know, multiple decades. We have enough veterans. I think you're starting to see an awakening from veterans because they took an oath uh, to defend this country from foreign and domestic threats. And that's where the biggest threat is. We all know it. it's domestic. Mm-hmm. And that's not to undermine any of the foreign threats we have. My Lord, we have some massive foreign threats from China to North Korea, you know, to Iran, to name a few. Okay, but um, the biggest threat right now to our way of life into this country is right here within. Mm-hmm. We've been sleeping. We're complacent. We've got mm-hmm. this. We've got radical leftists, communists, Marxists, socialism or socialists, excuse me, um, that have embedded themselves and uh, climbed the leadership ladder in this country. You know, and they're infesting all of our, you know, all of our major institutions. And the only way we get that back is to wake up as we the people 
and take it back. That's it. Nobody's coming to save us. That's that's the sad part. Everybody's waiting for the FBI or, you know, the DOJ or, you know, somebody to come and do it. And the fact of the matter is nobody's coming. The All of every single one of those institutions has been corrupted. Right. And I mean, we could point to countless issues showing it. And so this tuning out, this complacency that many of us, myself included, have been guilty of, it's got to stop or we lose it. And our kids and our grandkids, they don't get to experience the freedom and the opportunity that they should get to experience because we failed them. It's hard enough to get back to normal, but if we lose any more, we're not going to be able to get back if we're not careful. Because once you lose it, completely lose our freedom, there's no way we're going to get it back. Absolutely. Um, Well, we need to start wrapping up. Unfortunately, the time just flew. talking with you, but uh, looking at, you know, this is a federal office that you're running for. And, you know, you'll be representing a state. So what, uh, what issues do you see that you'll be working on from that federal level that will directly impact the state of Arizona and the citizens of this state? You know, I'm, I'm huge on election integrity. Um, mm. I don't know how much we're going to be able to do about that at the federal level. I think the spearhead of that is going to have to be done at the local level, but I will look for every possible way I can um, to bolster and strengthen our elections. Um, The border is something that I think can be attacked um, at the federal level. I think it needs to be attacked at the federal level and the state level. That's something I would definitely look to do. I was reading an article this morning, you know, in Breitbart, they were talking about, I think, a hundred or over a hundred thousand getaways. Those aren't even the people that, that got caught and then released into our country, but a hundred thousand getaways that just came over the border never even got contacted by the border patrol agents because they don't have the manpower to stop this invasion on our Southern border. And my, my question is this, how many of, how many of those 100,000 getaways in the last two months were bringing in drugs that might kill your kids? How many of them were bringing in, um, you know, sex, um, sex, uh, sex trafficked individ- individuals and human beings. Okay. How many of those, how many of those individuals were t- potential terrorists? Maybe two of them, maybe 10 of them, maybe 20 of them. Everybody know if you guys think that, if you guys think that these terrorist organizations that we are fighting overseas, now that we've pulled out of the Middle East, if you think that they're sleeping on the fact that the United States of America has an open Southern border, you're crazy. And it's just a matter of time before the next attack. And we we're letting it we're letting it happen because we have leaders in this country that don't care about the border, won't go to the border. And quite frankly, they want an open border. Mm-hmm. All right. So th- those are a couple of the big issues. And then fiscal responsibility is also a big issue for me. Um, as you know, we have over 30 trillion dollars of debt in this country. You've seen that on Capitol Hill right now, they're trying to run up another five trillion in the blink of an eye. And they, they use fancy names like infrastructure, you know, and, and all sorts of things when we know that only a very small fraction of, of that spending will go to infrastructure. Many of it's just pork and paybacks for special interest groups and lobbying groups. And that's the cool thing about sending business owners to Washington, D.C., guys. You guys know it better than anybody else. As business owners, we don't get a print money that we don't have, okay? If we didn't make money, there's got to be a cut somewhere. There's got to be a sacrifice. 
Um, and that's why it's important that we send people to Washington DCs that have had to live in that reality, have had to sign paychecks for people, have had to make personal sacrifices so that their staff can stay employed. And those are the types of people that you know we need representing us on Capitol Hill. Amen. Amen to all of that. And um, that is one thing that is such an insult to us as you know, just citizens that responsible have responsible people, Yeah, responsible yeah. people, we have to balance our checkbooks at home, we have to balance our checkbooks within our business. And when we have this, this great big greedy hand from the federal government just constantly reaching in to to harvest, right, to use us like a, a piggy bank, and then they just kind of throw the money up in the air. Uh, with wastefulness. And like you said, the special interests in that it is such an insult to us. And so for, for the way that I think, and I'll speak for Dan here too, because I'm good at that. Uh, it's, it is important to have people that understand that fiscal responsibility, uh, doing the next job, because you'll look at the federal budget and with different eyes than people that their whole career has just been, you know, fundraising and, and getting back in office and fundraising some more and getting back in office. So I do think that's important. Um, tell folks all across the nation, because we do have wherever there's internet, actually all over the world, wherever there's internet, we have viewers and listeners. Um, you don't have to be in the state of Arizona in order to uh, support your campaign, I don't believe, but you can oh, tell yeah. us. You definitely don't have to live in the state of Arizona to buy a very cool a bottle breacher for right. yourself or as a gift. So tell folks how they can uh, follow all that you do and, and help out with your campaign if they'd like. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. My website is Eli4forarizona.com. That's Eli4arizona.com. And what I want to say to you guys is this, whether you guys vote for me or not, or sent, you know support us send a donation or not. My message is this. I'm trying to lead by example here. This is what we need. We need you. That's the dichotomy of having a government and a country that's of, for, and by the people. It works great if the people, you, are engaged. If you're not, tyranny creeps in. Guys, tyranny doesn't ever take a day off, okay? Mm -hmm. If you look throughout the course of history, tyranny, you know, that's the norm. That's what normally happens in countries because you know, we just, we're a pretty, we're pretty wicked and sinful people. Okay. And many of us are greedy and power hungry, but in our country, it's special. And if we tune in, if we are not complacent, if we get active, if we run for school board, if we run for local office, if we're willing to sacrifice and go run for Congress or something like that, if enough of us say I've had enough, I'm willing to go serve this country that I love, we can start to turn this thing around. But that's the dichotomy. Nobody's going to do it for us. We have to be engaged. We have to do it. Um, I was blown away. I'll tell you one last little thing before we we end this. I was blown away when I went to Washington, D.C., and some of the folks told me, uh, some of the leaders in the party told me, Eli, you're probably going to lose uh, fundraising-wise to your opponents. The Democrats always out-fundraise us. If you can just keep it close, you stand a pretty good chance. That blew me away. I thought that, you know, the conservative folks, the working class folks of this country, you know, would um, I didn't think we'd have that problem. But I looked at my own self and I, I realized I had never even I had never even donated to a campaign, not one time. And mm -hmm. I was I had this attitude that, hey, if I just show up and vote for you, that's good enough. 
the bottom line is, guys, what this a lot of it boils down to is name ID. Can, can enough people in my large rural district that it's going to be about 750,000 people, when enough of them show up to the ballot box, will enough of them even know who Eli Crane is? Because most of them know who Tom O'Halloran, this Democrat that we're trying to throw out, who votes with Nancy Pelosi 98% of the time, they know who what his name is. Most of them don't know who my name is. And unfortunately, I wish it wasn't this way, but it is this way. That costs a lot of money to run the television ads, the digital ads, the mailers, et cetera, so that people will know our name. And if you think for a second, guys, you know, that, uh, you, ma'am, you brought it up a second ago. You have you have congressmen in Hawaii, New Mexico, New York, Washington, Florida, all over this country that are casting votes that affect your life. This is federal office. Nancy Pelosi has a plus five majority. And if she gets enough people to vote her way, guess what you just lost? You just lost more of the value of your dollar and you just lost more freedom. So don't if you can't if you're in a district where you can't support a congress member, that is, you know, if you're in a blue district that always votes Democratic, throw some support behind some of us in a red, in, in a in a red, still a red state or ha who have a chance of winning. Because my vote, if I cast my vote, it means just as much as the congressman that casts a vote in your district when it comes down to federal legislation. So I just wanted to point that out to you guys because a lot of people are like, "Well, Eli, you're not in my district. I'm not going to support you." And I'm like, guys, that's not how it works at the federal level. All it, it really boils down to just who, which side has more votes. And so, you know, we, we appreciate the opportunity, um, you know, to collect support from all over the country. And I hope something I said, um, you know, registered today, guys, I don't believe that, I don't believe that the federal, the federal government or the U.S. government is ever going to usher in some utopia. I don't think that that happens until Christ returns, mm -hmm. but until it does, I think that we should hold ground. I think that we should continue to fight for it. And that's what my run for Congress is all about. Fantastic. Well, we so appreciate you. We will be following closely how things go uh, and hopefully have you back on and, and get an update on how it's going. And then when you're successful, we'll have you back on <laughs> so we can get an update from the federal level. All right. All right, guys. Thank you. God bless Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. God bye bless bye. you, Eli. Bye-bye. Well, you know, yeah. having people that run for office and get elected that have been in business is our savior, to be honest with you. I mean, they know in real life what it's like and what it takes to run their business, mm -hmm. and they'll know how mm -hmm. to run the country. Absolutely. It's uh, what you described is, you know, the, the potential savior of our constitutional republic you know, we're, we're not even 300 years old. Um, we've lasted, I think we've lasted longer than most any other uh, democracy has lasted, but um, it's in constant peril. Yes. The only thing our founders promised us, right? They, they fought, bled, starved, and died to have the opportunity to put quill to parchment to write this roadmap for us this recipe book i love you know, that eli talked about it like a recipe right um you said and they promise, promised though. us one thing and the thing they promised us is that it would require eternal vigilance right no naps right. no days off in order 
to keep it now i'm sorry no that's right it's they promised it to us Mm -hmm. but it's our responsibility to keep it true Mm -hmm. no we have to we have to want that right and not be bribed by free stuff and Mm -hmm. you know you see all these people that come from other countries that were dying to get here Mm -hmm. and then then they are easily influenced by big government that this government is going to do different than the government that in Colombia or, you know, Mexico, but we're so much different. You know, I, you know, looking back in 1934, Mexico had a constitution that you could own firearms. Go figure. And there was no restrictions. What happened there? There was no restrictions like there are now. And now, you know, it's almost impossible to own a gun in Mexico to defend your family. And look what's happening there. It's so true. So uh, what I'm looking up uh, while you're chatting here, I think I'm right about him being LD1. Um, One of our state level representatives, his name, he was a guest we've had, Kwong Nguyen. Mm -hmm. And I'm, my computer's moving super slow, but I think it's, yeah, LD1, uh, same district as where Eli is running. He gave a speech recently, Kwong did. He is, his family fled, his parents fled Vietnam. One of the visuals that many of us can conjure up in a second about Vietnam is when people had to climb to the rooftop and be picked up by a helicopter, right? And then we saw that again, hoping, right? Praying. Then we saw that again, just recently in Afghanistan with that horrible way that that uh, ended up. And Kwong gave a speech and he said, we're here in America and we're, we are doing all the lazy things that you were talking about, Dan, and, and actually embracing things that were the ruin of these other places. He said, there are no more rooftops. No. I mean, that just just shot through me when I heard him say that there are no more rooftops to escape from because if a helicopter came, where's it going to take you? We are it. And we have to do everything we can to preserve and defend and pass along this inheritance, our constitution. Um, And why do the big government want, you got to think about it. Why are they doing this? For only one word, control. Mm -hmm. Once they have control, I mean, look at Australia right now. Australia took all all their guns away. Mm -hmm. And what are they doing now? They're demanding that you stay in your house. Mm -hmm. They have cameras that can identify you if you come out of your house. Mm -hmm. They'll put you in jail or whatever else they want to do. And the people have no say. Now, that might be a bit extreme to what it could be. I don't know but it's what it is. This is true. This really happened. The government is controlling their people. hundred percent. It's not the people controlling the government. Right. It's the government controlling the people. Australia. Australia. That's the second United States you would think of. Right. And here's kind of a not funny thing about that is until maybe a year ago or two years ago, there are people that are seeking more gun control. And they say, well, look at Australia, right? Australia is this great example. And they just want to talk about the Australia example. 
Well, yeah. do you hear him talking about the Australia example now? No, I don't think so. Right. And, um, you know, one other thing is that I was talking with a young lady whose family fled Cuba just over the weekend, we were having this conversation. And of course it started with confiscation of firearms and uh, you know, it just went on from there. And so then again, you think, you know, is, is Cuba, you know, is so close yeah, to our borders. You can almost swim there. Yeah. Some people do to yeah. try to flee Cuba and then they flee here. And then what do they get? They get Cuba light in a lot of places, but one thing that she said, and it was so interesting to me, she said, nowadays, she's very patriotic um, for, for America. She has the Arizona flag hanging. She has the American flag hanging. But she said for a while, while she was young, she was generationally impacted by what had happened to her, her grandfather. Her father was mm -hmm. six, I think, when they fled. But you know, these things, these family stories were very strong. Her grandfather had gone to prison in Cuba. Somehow he got out. And when he got out, she said he was just never the same. So, you, you know, there was probably torture going on, that sort of thing. She said for a while, while she was young, the idea of the Pledge of Allegiance, like it just bothered her. She said, how can I pledge allegiance to a nation that could turn on me? turn on me like my family experienced in Cuba. And I mean, that was so impactful to hear her say that and deep for a young child to understand that. And then she, as she grew up and she learned more about what America is and what we really stand for, she says, oh, I am pledging allegiance to what our ideals are, what our promise is. And when I pledge that allegiance, then I have the responsibility to do what I can personally, individually right. to uphold those things. I mean, wow, just wow. Um, and so then to cap off, you know, what Kwong has said, what this young lady had said to me, and now interviewing Eli Crane, who is running for office and knowing this could harm his business, Right. This could harm his family because cancel culture is a big thing now. And all it takes is one wrong word and you know, canceled. you're canceled. Um, but he's, he's strong. He's brave. His family's strong and brave and they're stepping into the arena. And um, I'm just, I'm excited that we had a chance to chat with them and we'll be praying for, for him and his family as, as he moves through this season. Right. So, all right, well, we got to get wrapped up out of here, Dan, what are we going to do until our next show? We're going to pray for our nation. We are. We're going to pray for our leaders. Leaders. Can I say one other thing? Leadership though? position. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just that the people that, you know, they get pulled over by the police and they say, hey, I have a constitutional right. You can't do this to me. Those are the ones that aren't really supporting the Constitution and fighting to keep our Constitution. It's interesting. I mean, you know? I wouldn't know. I don't well, I mean, know anybody don't know personally. Exactly, but it's the people, it seems like it's the couch potato that does nothing that's demanding their rights. Mm. You know, you see like this. They have a sliver of truth and they want to create yeah. a baseball bat. But out we, of that you know, everybody has to. Living and embracing. We can't, no one, no one in the United States can set idle. Mm -hmm. We have to get stand up for what is right. 
That's I'm sorry true. I brought that up. But yes, pray for our leaders, pray for our nation, yeah. pray for everybody. <laughs> How about the couple of the people that are in leadership positions? There's not just a couple, Cheryl. Like, well, we got to pray for those ones anyway. You know, he, he said that word today. Which one? The only thing he said, <laughs> the Nancy word, the Nancy word. Oh. And as you know, I, it's hard to eat after that. Oh, stop. Oh I'm gosh. sorry. <laughs> She's taking our rights away from us. She's spending money that she doesn't have a right to spend. Okay. But why is she there? She's there because she was voted in by many people. So many people, we need to be thinking about that. Many right? people. So our individual interaction with the political process and the voting process it matters it yes matters. it does all right we got to get out of here uh yes even the ones you don't like yes even the ones you don't like especially the ones you don't like we're gonna pray for them all right until next time have a great week be good to each other and god bless god bless bye-bye <laughs>